Ready? Okay. That's much better. There's no clacking. No clacking. That was a metronome. Metronome moment. Metronome moment number two. <laughs> Welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 37-2. We are well on our way into world 37 of this fine podcast. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Every week we listen to great video game music from all consoles and all generations. We listen to, we pick a topic, we pick some music, and we get right into it. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Before we get started, I want to give a, a few shout outs and a few mentions of things. Um, first, I want to thank everyone who came on to our uh, live stream a couple weeks ago. That was our Patreon exclusive live stream. So if you want to get, um, uh, if you want to get the ep- if you want to get our podcast episodes uh, part of there, if you want to be part of the live streamed episodes, and if you also want to be able to get the episodes ad free, then go to patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels. Um, also, um, check out our YouTube, youtube.com slash rhythm and pixels. I'm starting to upload uh, video game soundtracks, uh, video game soundtracks that either um, are underrepresented or not represented at all on YouTube. So I have a probably he- once not to get shot down by the man. We will, we will see. I'm, um, but go check it out and go listen to them because I'm trying to make partner. Um, we have lots of subscribers, but not enough listens. So go, go check it out. Um, it's mainly going to be uh, Turbo Graphics and PC Engine because there's a lot of those not on YouTube. Or if they're on YouTube, they're like they're not individual tracks. You have to listen to the whole soundtrack. So I'm doing that. Um, and then finally, <coughs> um, I'm slowly getting better. I think I have another cold. Um, but finally, I also want to give some shout outs to some other podcasters. First of all, uh, Ed Wilson of the VG Embassy. Um, his his last his latest episode is all about Se- uh, uh, Sega CD games, but not the Sega CD Redbook audio music. It's the it's the music from the console itself, which is fascinating to me. Wait a minute, isn't like the music that would play in a menu? No, no. There's there's music there's music in a lot of these Sega CD games and Mega CD games that aren't being played from Redbook audio, but are actually being played from the sound chips. And there's different huh. sound there's different sound chips inside the uh, Sega CD system, which is really neat. So um, really love that. And also a huge shout out to XVGM Radio. They are they just did a musical a musical history of Natsume. Um, that's really cool. So yeah, the uh, um, the 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 New England connection over there. Um, really cool stuff. <laughs> I want to give them a shout. Um, so thank you. And also yeah, go download Whisker Squadron. Um, you know our our friend Shell. She's working hard. She made some great bangers. Go go check that out. All right, I'm done. I'm done advertising things. Probably doing. No, pretty. there's there's got to be more. There's, uh, there's more. I am thinking about changing the format of the podcast, um, where it's it's not it's it's video game music and uh, murders. So as we listen to video game music, you and I just describe gruesome murders from like the 1940s. How about that? Okay, Vito. Veto campaign right now. There will be no murders on the podcast. They remain in the building to the left. Um, so no, thank you, sir. But at the same time, murder mysteries can be fun. I think so you do a murder mystery. Can, yeah, yeah, murder mystery. You can write if you can write a murder mystery. Oh man, I'd be on board with solving that. I I barely have enough time to do the show, man. <laughs> exactly. So I think we know where the murders are going. Back to the building, not <laughs> the podcast. But the truth be told, I feel like the, the this format of of music podcast, video game music podcast, started with the Legacy Music Hour, and then every we all sort of um, emulate it, and it works really well. I find it very comforting. It's very it's very uh, natural. But maybe there's a better way to do it. Maybe there's a different way to do it. A, a I'm not to- sure. All I know is, no matter how you slice it, someone's going to be unhappy. Like it's one of those things <laughs> where. Uh, what was it like? I'm in like a lot of like 
general like meme groups or whatever and somebody made up a meme about podcasts in general the concept of the podcast and how everybody started dogging on the podcast being a bunch of podcasting being people that feel self-important wanting other people to see how important they are and my thought to that was that's really not what it is at least not that i can tell at least it's not what it's not what we are but I think yeah. um, I think the podcasts that are popular right now and the podcasts that are probably making a lot of money right now are yeah are, are like that you know dude you know five dudes standing around talking about like working out you know getting chicks you know laughing at each other taking testosterone pills. Well, that's just it though. I mean, like that might be their niche if it's a fitness podcast <laughs> and they're going to be popping pills and talking yeah, about yeah, getting yeah, yeah. Like, but whatever they do. It's either that well, well, or it's NPR style, like really in depth, scripted, you know, really good good stuff. But it's radio. But that's radio. This is a podcast. This is a bunch. You know, this is again. This is, we're doing this in the basement. You know. Oh, I should also I, mention uh, we're doing this uh, um, pandemic lockdown style. Pernell is in his house. I'm at my house partly because I'm. Um, kind of sick, and partly because I'm I'm starting to try to to do this at night while my son is asleep for the first time. So we'll see how this goes, but yeah. I can't imagine it being any worse than me being there making a lot of noise and waking him up. So, <laughs> well, you know what? Eventually, he'll it'll it'll normalize, and then we can do it here at night. Uh, but we'll see. You're 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 a loud you're a loud boy. You're a very loud boy. Not by choice, I can tell you that much. You just it's get excited. Like you, a megaphone. You, you get excited sometimes, and then you just kind of raise your voice oh, a little bit. Oh boy, they put peppers in these peanuts. <laughs> Peanut pepper, pepper peanuts. Oh my god, this soup is extra spicy. Holy <laughs> cow, there's a Mega Man 12 coming out. That's not happening, but God, would that be nice? <laughs> um, but yeah, I do get happy about things. But it's uh, one of the things where, like, no matter how you slice it, I just get noisy. Yeah, but. But the thing about the the, the podcasting concept was yeah. that it just it seems weird that people would take that to mean necessarily that it's about semi importance because yeah I, I guess I get it there are definitely some egos out there mm. a lot of egos out there but and I question if anybody listens to our show and thinks that we're like that too was like oh god they just think they're important I'm like look I I'll be the first to tell you I'm a humble as all hell that's not where I roll you're the um, humblest there is. I just like talking to friends about video game music, and we have a lot of fun discussing these things. Yeah, yeah. And the idea of people listening to it is awesome, but from the time we started, it was more in my mind like, we might get one listener, and that's fine, I guess. <laughs> I was um, like, yeah, if we keep doing it, maybe we get, get a little bit more. And uh, and now we've got 10 listeners. We got, yeah. Well, yeah, a, f- a, fair more, a fair few more than 10, but... Um, there's an exponent involved. There's an exponent, but you know what? Like I, I thank every single one of them. You know, who want to come on and listen to our voices and listen to some music. And we're not, we're not breaking any ground here. We're not. I, I'm, I'm really not good on the history of things, and um, but it's just we're having a good time. We're just, I just like, a couple. And what's, what's most important is the music and the composers of the music. You know, and, and our memories of this stuff. So I hope, I hope mm-hmm. that the listeners um, can sympathize, empathize with. With what we're feeling, jazzercise, jazzercise, jazzercise. Yeah. Get up on your feet. Yeah, and move to the beat. <laughs> um, hey, Pernell. So this topic that we're yes, going to do. Yes, Alistair. What did they used to say that would get them slimed? I'm not even sure to be perfectly. Frank. Oh, oh, just... oh, it was. I don't know. That's what it was, right? They'd say I don't oh. know, and then they would get slimed. Is that what it was? That sounds familiar, but because oh, like. God. Because deep down, I can't remember, but I do feel like it was something where they knew it was coming. Like, oh, crap. 
Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is about me thinking it, but I always reference Alistair. I know that uh, Alanis Morissette was on there. Yeah. And there's probably a number of other kids, but Alistair is the only one <laughs> that I reference in comedy. We're talking, we're talking about that Nickelodeon show. You can't do that on television. Um, which is actually a very risque like name for a TV show. Uh, but no, today. Well, I mean, you couldn't do that on television. You, you I mean, say I don't know. Uh, that's right. They're, they're, they're the secret word. Um, it'd scream real loud. So no, today's today's podcast is was a topic given to us by um, Daryl. Definitely Daryl. The last weekend. Um, pronounced friend. Definitely my uh, 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 my nemesis. No I'm kidding. Um, both of our friends. And um, yeah, and he was like, hey, this one is all about. Um, it says, get by with a little help of my friends. And I thought this was a fascinating idea. This is games where we have fond memories of going to game FAQs or going to people or calling helplines or strategy guides. You know, fond memories of that sort of adventure. You know, maybe early internet, maybe even pre internet uh, for me anyway. I'll admit I kind of winged this one a little bit, but as part of the fun of the show. Um, but I, I do feel as though I am in the spirit of the topic, which is why I think it'll be interesting when I do my thingies. Um, but I do like this talk. I do like this topic quite a bit. But the thing that got me was that I started thinking back to old episodes, and I was like, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure I've already talked about the specific some of the specific helpline things I've had to do, like the freaking barrel in Sonic Three. Yeah, that was my biggest one by far. Stupid barrel, and people still talk about it too. Like it, it, that is a legend. That is a VG, a video game legend right there. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that means you haven't played Sonic Three. <laughs> Just period. It's been a long. Everyone's time encountered I, it. Been a long time since I played Sonic Three, and I think that was the one I played the least. It was the second one I played the most. Like I'll flat out say right now, if you played Sonic Three, completed Sonic Three, and never got stuck at that barrel, even for ten minutes, maybe even five minutes. Call it out because I don't believe you. It's it's <laughs> impossible. It's it does it is unlike anything else in the game. It goes against all the game rules you've had up to that point across every Sonic game you've ever played. So to get there and be just like I I better do this button combination. <laughs> I'm like no, you wouldn't know that. No, <laughs> you wouldn't. And there's no tell for it either. So it's sinister. And I got a lot of—I'm sure I got a lot of tip line dollars too. Until it probably showed up in a Game Pro magazine or something. I wonder. I wonder if um, if some of these like hangups in, in these older games were a way to get some extra cash on those uh, on those tip lines. Oh, absolutely. You think so? Absolutely. You think so? Oh, without without a doubt. Without <laughs> a doubt. Just like how strategy guys started when strategy guys became a thing. A number of companies started putting in things in the games that would almost require you to want. Well, not require, but. You would want some outside help to find them. Like to find it without it would be tougher than you'd expect. Like going back, and I have one like that in my list actually too. But going back to a place you've been to in the game hours prior in a small narrow window of time <laughs> to trigger the effect, no one's going to do that unless they had a guy telling them to. So they absolutely do that kind of stuff they, they intentionally, and they have no shame in it either because they want to sell those strategy guides or push those helpline calls. Wow. That's sinister, but you know what? I feel like so much, so much about the video game industry today. There's so much more to complain about and to be concerned about. So, we'll, we'll oh, let them... comparatively, I missed, I missed the guide era. <laughs> yeah, we'll let Get them have back. this one. So, um, I'm starting off the show um, with some music, and mine is specifically about a guide. Um, this is from Dragon Warrior, Dragon Quest One for the NES. 
This is the castle theme composed by Koichi Sugiyama. back this is uh this is a shorty actually a lot of the music in this game is a it's quite a shorty this is from uh castle this is the castle theme from dragon warrior for the nes composed by koichi sugiyama classic music he spent a lot of time in the castle because you got to get back to the castle to save your darn game um and this was i'm not sure if this or if it was the first final fantasy for the nes were my first rpgs i ever played but i was definitely too young to really understand how to play these games. And um, Dragon Warrior was released, it was it was given away with a strategy guide, right? Or you bought the strategy guide? I can't remember. Well, the game itself was just the game, but later on, Nintendo Power started to give the strategy guide away. That's what it was. I, with a copy of the, I'm trying to remember, it was a copy of the game. Like, you got the game, and they gave you a copy of the strategy guide. That's yeah. But it was it was done as like a promo offer through Nintendo Power. But it was like to just, my recollection, it was like just the first like part of the game, or like just the first like world or first few levels of of it. And no, 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 no. That was the whole was, thing. It was the official Nintendo Power strategy guide. Okay, I can't for some reason there was maybe it was Final Fantasy that only gave you like the first little bit. Or maybe I only read the first little. Maybe maybe it was in the, the um, in the manual. Close. I, what I, I was about to say, Final Fantasy, it was in the manual. That's what I'm thinking. And about. it kind of got you started up through the pirates and the port town. And then after that, they were like, what else can you find <laughs> in the world of Final Final Fantasy? Go find out. Well, then I should have picked, picked music from Final Fantasy because that's what I really remember. Not knowing exactly what to do and having to get to put the game in to get the strategy guide every time. But I was still fascinated by these games because in my mind, video games were action-oriented, right? They were shooters, they were sports games, they were platformers. Um, that's what a video game was. And then suddenly there was all this text on the screen. There was like this turn-based kind of combat that was very slow. And it didn't grab me right away, but I played a lot of Dragon Warrior, like from from the beginning. Because <laughs> we can never like get to the save file or get to the save point again. Because um, we were young and stupid. But like it was... It was definitely like something that captured my imagination enough to like actually get really interested and want to play more of it. And then, of course, as I got older, realizing it was very much based off of like Dungeons and Dragons and the tabletop RPGs. So then it all clicked. But yeah, I mean, it, this is really cool stuff. And the music in this game is really neat for just being a few square waves. It's, it's pretty cool. I will say for anybody listening, just in case I got something wrong. I did not buy Dragon Warrior back in the day. I was one of the rental kids. I only rented it from, um, not even block. I got it from West Coast Video. Oh, um, so I never had the manual, which means if there was a manual oh, in there, like if there was a guide in the manual, like Rob was describing, I've never seen the uh, manual for this. Game. I gotta know I the, we- tell the, you. the West Coast Video you went to. Was that the one up in Bramar? Uh, no, the one I went to was in Fairfax Shopping Center. Oh, and wow. then there was yeah, also right. one back sense. in the day that was near, um, off of Lee Boulevard, um, oh. next to the grocery store. I miss I so. miss West Coast, man. That was the one. Because it was I miss video rentals. It was Suncoast Video at the mall. They they sold 
um, uh, videos and they started selling anime when that was starting to be, you know, being released. But uh, mm-hmm. it was, yeah, West Coast video. Then they got bought by somebody. I think it was, I think they turned into a blockbuster eventually or they got, they, they, they left and then that blockbuster came in somewhere else. And I was like, this doesn't feel right. Like West Coast video had like a, like a curated vibe. Like he walked in there and there was like, you know, the, 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 the pics from like the people who worked there you know, you know, things weren't always going to be there that if you were looking for them, but you'd find something interesting. But that's why, well, partly why I missed that era like I do. Maybe that should be an episode, though. I think we may have done that before. But, not <laughs> we can. but uh, that idea of what the video store rental era was, because on one hand, right now we have everything we want when we want it through these subscription services or whatever. Yeah, streaming but, makes it a lot easier. But it li- but you lose something. You absolutely lose something in that because everything's there. There's yeah. no, there's no adventure to go get it and then have and be stuck <laughs> with it, knowing that this is your entertainment, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Now there was you better there, made a good choice. There's a place that it's um it's across from the Chuck E. Cheese. It's on Silverside Road. Um, I'm not sure what it is now. I think it's like a, I think they sell CBD oil or something. But <laughs> what it used to be, it was called Vix Video American or Vix Video American, and they sold only, uh, or they rented and sold only indie movies, art house movies, um, classics, and Laserdiscs. So if you were ever looking, if you wanted like all the Kurosawa films, like you would go there. And like they had amazing like staff picks and they always had like what you were looking for. If you were looking for like classics and, and art, arty stuff, that was a, I missed that place. That was a really cool place. But then you're talking in the sense that you know what you want. You're there. You're looking for well, it. They always. got it. You go home. I'm talking about you're in the store. Your folks say you got 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Pick something and get out. And there's, you finally narrow it down to two or three games you want. And you know nothing about them. Yep. You're staring at the back cover of the box with its two or three images and like generic text that some guy in, a, in like, I don't know, a writer's room came up with. And you're like, okay, is yeah. this the one? No, but this one has flying aliens. But this one has a cool dude with a sword. That one has the color green on the box. Which one do I want? And you're just deliberating in the end. It ends up coming down like, I'm going to throw all three boxes in the air. Whichever one hits the ground first, yeah. that's the game I'm taking and home. That's, and that's what happens when like I'm looking around. I'm like, I've, I don't know. I, these NES games, this one looks really cool. It's got some samurai on the cover. And so you come home with Nobunaga's ambition for the NES with no inst- <laughs> with no instruction manual. <laughs> you have mm-hmm. no clue what's going on. Um yeah, one one last one last uh, uh, video rental story is um, so I mean Chris Christy, my wife and I have been married um, 19 years now, and one of our earliest like dates we used to do is we used to go to a blockbuster to pick out a video, and we would be there for probably an hour, maybe two hours, and never decide on one, and then just leave. <laughs> but think about just imagine just how walk- that gave you something to freaking do, yeah. like. Like, people take that for granted, even. It's like, hey, we need something to do on this date. Okay, how about we go to the video store as a destination, peruse the aisles, talk about the films on the shelves, and then collectively choose one to take home and watch. Or or never do it. Or not, or take nothing home. But now, it's just basically, well, come over to my house, and we'll just click through Netflix. Yeah, now it's like you click through Netflix hoping to find something and if you don't, you just watch, you know, Frasier for the 15th time. So... (laughs) 
Who doesn't like? Well, now you got more Frasier coming. You heard about that, right? I, d- I am. I'm. I'm. Uh, David Hyde Pierce isn't involved, so I'm not as excited because. Yeah, but now he has a son. Oh, he always had a who son. Who's his foil? But yeah, uh, but now the son now is the, the son foil. Is foil. Yeah, I, I, it could be fun. Um, there was the uh, uh, the eighties that eighties show reboot was um, on Netflix. It was actually pretty good. It was it wasn't great, but it was funny enough. <laughs> Like like the original show, um, so I, I, if, if they do something similar like that, I'd be I'd be pleased. Um, we're way off track here. What's your first track? That means mission accomplished. Yeah, man. Um, so I'm going down like different elements of get by with a little help in the context that only I would come up with. And this first one is an example of what can happen when you don't get by with a little help. As in, you tell yourself. Eh, whatever. I don't need any FAQs. I don't need anybody to tell me anything. I'm going to do what I want. Do it by myself. Oh. And, and then you discover that you, you screwed up somewhere, <laughs> and now you're angry and you want to quit. So I'll talk about that. But the actual track title is called Awkward Justice, and it comes from the game Tales of the Abyss, and it's composed by Motui Sakuraba. Oh, we got to have a Sakuraba. Got to have some Sakuraba. It's been a while, actually. I miss him. <laughs> well, he's back. <laughs> In Park Four.
Mm-hmm. Welcome back. You're listening to a Awkward Justice from the game Tales of the Abyss, composed by Motui Sakuraba. Yeah, I know it was released on the PlayStation 2, and the place where I attempted to play it was the Nintendo DS. Uh, and I own it on both, of course, because of course I do. Uh, but uh, this game, it, as a Tales games in general, are notorious for having elements of bonus content that are set up in ways where in order to access them and accomplish what you need to do to pull it off, you have to do unnatural things. <laughs> Very unnatural things. For example, the thing that got to me, which is um, there was a particular quest in this game referred to that involves some character called the Antlion Man. He exists in one town and one town only, and he requests that you pick up items and deliver them to him. Now, they can be easy things to acquire. You just have to have them at the time you talk to them. And sometimes as you get further in the game, they're supposedly a little bit more complex. I say supposedly, because I never got that far. See, this game was glitched slightly oh. in such a way that um, if you don't fulfill one leg of his, his quest line, it glitches out so that you can't do the rest. But he continues to ask you for the thing you never brought him, even if you have it on hand to give to him. So I was like, but the thing is to get back to doing it, there was a part in the game where you had to go to the town, do some stuff, leave the town, go to another place, and then go somewhere further away. But instead, you're supposed to go back to the town for no reason just to talk to this jerk to give him one lousy item that is easy to find. He could have walked one block up the street and bought it himself. But no, he needs you to give it to him because he's the freaking antlion man, freaking hot stuff he is. So being me, the person who wants to do everything in one go because I don't have time for that, I realized that this happened and I wondered what the heck's going on. He won't take my orange gel. I don't get it. So I went to game FAQs and asked around, like, what the heck's going on with this thing? I went to this place. He's asking me for an item that I have. Why won't he take it? Turns out there was a glitch in the game. Someone explained it to me. And I came to realize that if I had just did the thing I never do, which is play a game with an FAQ, at least to say here are missable things that you don't want to, you know, abandon for the purpose of full game experience, I would not have had this problem because I would have been able to actually at least check off the box and say, don't forget to go to that place because you need this to see the end game bonus content. Mm. So what did I do? I stopped playing the whole game. I quit. <laughs> I was, I had just gotten past a really awesome plot point and everything where you realize that the big plot revelation of the main character and his, situa- his whole situation didn't care. I just was so frustrated that I can't fight these cool bonus bosses and get these cool bonus items. I just shut down. I was like, I can't play this anymore. Yeah, Quit. that's yeah. That that is a kick in the kick in the pants right there. You know, it really is, especially yeah. because you hear this track. The boss fights in this game were superb. The characters of the generals you have to fight that this theme plays for. Mm-hmm. I like all of them. This is one of those games where when you get into a battle that's like a story like this, the characters have conversations while you're fighting. Yeah, I remember. Which is kind of hilarious. Yeah. I can't get launched in the air, getting beat up. They're still like, I have a full line of dialogue. I want to say, even though I'm currently burning. <laughs> I Whatever. Played one of the Tales games. Our friend Kim really wanted us to try it. I, I couldn't get into it. It's the, it's the battle system. I just didn't like the um, the kind of run around, uh, very actiony, action focused <laughs> battle system. 
but yeah it was cool how they all like there's all, like there's dialogue there's all this um there's like fl- it's, it's kind of like flavored adds adds like to the characters so you're not just like playing the playing the, the same battles over and over again like you actually mm-hmm. get a little bit more of the, uh learning about the character and who the character is about like even just through some of these more monotonous battles it's pretty cool um, it always drives me nuts though because they always start out with them teaching you the battle system. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure there's like some pro out there that doesn't have the same experience, but uh, they start you out teaching you the battle system, say, oh, press this button to block, press yeah. this button to attack, do enough damage, and you'll block their, you'll bring their shield down, then hit them with a combo of special attacks. Awesome possum, right? Then you're thinking, okay, if I'm skilled with this, I should be able to just mow down even the toughest enemies. But it feels like it hits you with one of those, um, like those arcade game style scenarios where. Mm-hmm. The game just hits a point where no matter what you do, they're just going to tank your hits and just start coming, come at you flying. Yeah, yeah. You can't unlock them. So that and, I, I watched the uh, there's a documentary called Insert Coin that's all about um, not, uh, not Williams, but about uh, uh, Midway in the mm-hmm. in the 1990s and the arcade systems and stuff they had. There was actually a formula that they had that would increase the difficulty at a certain time, and like, um, um, most of the arcade operators were like that, and it's nefarious. Like they really? said, like they want, they wanted to get an extra quarter within like the first thirty seconds to the sixty seconds of gameplay. So the idea was is that if you're good enough and you got through like the first two or three characters in Street Fighter, that fourth one is going to mow you down no matter what. <laughs> to the point, Whoa. to the point where there's like um, an NBA Jam, like it would start tanking your shots. Just to like, just to keep the game going, just to make you pay. Like more you money. would think you shot the ball, but the game would make your shot miss. Yeah, it would do that. And they did, they did some weird, uh, crazy tangent about. It. I couldn't believe they did this. They even did weird stuff where um, they wanted you to come back to play more if they gave you crazy moments. So if it was like the last second, and you shot the ball from like, from like the other side of the court, it would just go in because it was so exciting. <laughs> That is so weird, yeah, but it also justifies why I didn't like playing the game, because yeah, I was like, you yeah. know, never feels like I'm getting it right. How's my ball just missing like this? Yeah, just <laughs> random stuff, right? Um, hey. So your, your story about this reminded me of um, Final Fantasy X-2, and it was like a glitch that wasn't going to block your game, but it blocked you from getting a full 100% on your memory card after after it was done. Like You had to like... I, I did everything, did all the special stuff, but it, but because I missed talking to one NPC in one town, it, um, you couldn't go back and talk to him because like some event would happen and he would leave the area, so you couldn't go back and get to him. And so I, I my card ended at like ninety nine percent, and I'm like, you know, was it like at least was it at least a reasonable you can't go back as if to say logically oh yeah yeah like the, the game he's gone like he moves on himself yeah like the town was like destroyed or something so he's just not there anymore but like you had to know to go talk to him in order to get the 100 percent. but then i'm like when i'm done i'm like well that's fine because a memory card that says 100 percent that i'm never gonna play again like i'm never gonna look at it again it's not like i can hang it on my wall so that's fine i had to get over that it's not like it's it's not it didn't like block the game where like i didn't like lose any like uh, super special item that I really wanted to get. Makes me wish I could just do that for this darn game, but I feel like ultimately what's going to ult- what's going to have to happen is I'm going to sit down and say let's start over from scratch, and actually get a checklist out that says do this and don't forget to do this. Now yeah. do that. So yeah, I but- mean, get, these these game FAQs and strategy guides are good for that kind of thing. Um, right, my next track is from a fighting game. Guess what? A fighting game. 
Well, deep. I mean, that's your that's your bread and that's butter. What I love. So yeah, I went to uh, Game FAQs or whatever was available at the time. I think it was Game FAQs to look up all about Marvel versus Capcom, the first one, the first Marvel versus Capcom, I think New Age of Heroes. This is music by Yuko Takahara and Masada Masato Koda. This is specifically theme music for hidden characters in the game. So we're going to listen to that music right now. This is really good. Yeah, it's, it's it's short, but it's shorter than a lot of the other tracks, but it's, it's really fun. This is a theme of hidden characters from Marvel vs. Capcom for the arcade, composed by Yuko Takehara and Masato Koda. It sounds a lot like other like Capcom music, like like mashed up into one, to be honest. like I, I hear a little bit of all sorts of things going on here. Um, so it's, it's really exciting. But there are all these hidden characters, hidden like uh, uh, moves and um, hidden... Um, uh, uh, what they call um, assist character type things, all hidden in this game, in the arcade that you can pick from. And at that time, I was working at Funscape at the arcade, and, and this is like a big thing. We we played fighting games constantly on breaks, before we opened, after we closed. We just never stopped playing fighting games. And this was a big one when it came out. And um, learning where the hidden characters were and how to get to them was a big deal. So we would like uh, uh, go to game FAQs and like download and print them out. And we'd have them like behind the counter and like behind the desk at the arcade, and so you can go and pick it up, and you can, you can, um, you know, go play as like Shadow. Like most of the hidden characters, are, like Shadow Guile or Shadow Chun Li, but they have like you know, like Chun Li can do like fireballs and crazy kind of like dashes and stuff in the air that she couldn't normally do. Um, and there's also hidden ways that you can fight the hidden characters too. So that was really neat. Um, that definitely yeah. explains why I couldn't remember any of the hidden characters in the game. So they were like, they were like, sort of like how Rival Schools did it, where there were characters. Well, I guess Rival Schools was like character construction, but people that already exist in the right, game with yeah. modified versions of the characters. So I was like, yeah. this is you, but now you have a wacky kick that makes you weirder to come back because you're not used to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did that in um, Project Justice too for the Dreamcast. I forgot there was like a character creation in that, right? Yeah, because the Japanese version of the game had a mini game that lets you unlock character customization customization elements, but the U.S. version didn't get that. So instead, they just said, "Well, instead of that, we'll just let you unlock like a hundred different custom-made characters, and you can play with them." <laughs> so, I mean, I had fun with that, but I do wish the school life mode was in the game to experience that as well. But you know, yeah, what are you going to do? I'm going to have actually a, a very uh, uh, apropos um, story and track later on in the show about that. <laughs> Ooh, looking forward to that then. It's funny. Looking, I will, go ahead. I was going to say one thing that's funny is like when you picked this track and started playing it, it actually reminded me of what I came across last week in the form of a sound alike. Now, admittedly, it's by the it's in the same company, which means the same composer probably worked on the two games. But uh, the character select theme from you know, was it? I think it was like 
X-Men versus either X-Men versus Street Fighter or X-Men Children of the Atom. Mm. Um but it is very much cut man from Mega Man 1. Ugh. And when I caught that, I was like, wait a minute, there's no way no one else has heard this. And I was playing it with a talking about it with a friend who also likes fighting games like that and likes Mega Man. <laughs> and he couldn't put two and two together to listen. I was like, it's right there. It's literally right there. It's cut man. How are you not hearing this? Yeah, I mean, it does, it, it does feel it does feel a lot like like Mega Man X music also. Maybe it's like mm-hmm. guitar sound, yeah. That's why I was like, during the break, I was like, I bet, I I feel like if I listened to this long enough and did some digging, it might be a sound alike. Like, they took some elements from a Mega Man X stage theme or something and slapped it in here and then extended it. Would not surprise me. Well, oh. I'm trying to look up to see if some of, if there were um, similar uh, composers um, crossed over. And you know what? They used a lot of pseudonyms in Children of the Atom, so I'll look that up another time. <laughs> <laughs> that will wait till another time. That will be another time. But yeah, I, I really like Marvel versus Capcom. Once once the second one, Marvel Capcom two came out, that sort of took over that that kind of niche for me. So going back and playing this one actually feels kind of slow and, and a little different, but it's still very good. I still really enjoy playing it um, when I want to get the chance. Um, they, have, they have like they have like one of those little um, arcade one up, like those little quarter cabinet quarter quarter size cabinets. Of, um, Is there one for this game? Yeah, for Marvel vs. Capcom. They have this at the at the comic book shop uh, down oh. the road. Yeah. That's, really That's nice. how I kind of watched 1984 because they used to have the actual full machine there. Yeah, they had that. They had a Tekken, no, it was like Tekken 2. Um, man, man, their games were just broken by the time they closed. <laughs> Yes, they were. Yeah, I mean, I feel like to have a, to run an arcade, you got to have a person on staff that can pull off. Yeah, that can bring in that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. hey, we need we need somebody who can just come in and fix this stuff on the die. Yeah, they pivoted that place from being a barcade into the arcade um, being like set dressing for a music venue. Yep, yeah. which I get. I mean, they got to survive. You gotta they did, make yeah. That green bean. Yeah, and they and they were very successful at it. You know, they had a lot of bands come through. They they they, they were very very good, and they were so successful that COVID destroyed them. <laughs> yeah, pretty much one um, of the one of the losses. Yeah, definitely one of the big losses of this area. Um, hey, we got some more music, right? More music, mm-hmm. more music. What's up? Maybe. Let me see. Is there music on? Y- yes, yes, oh. there is music on this list. Who'd have thought? Nobody. My heart skips uh, so, a beat for now. <laughs> I only picked one track for the whole episode. Um, now, this next track is going to, if we're talking about this topic, it has to be a track from this game. You already know what it's going to come from. Um, and there's a story behind it, as always. You've probably even heard it before, but I don't care. I'm going to tell it again. <laughs> um, this comes from the game La Mulana 2. The track title uh. is called Hell Hemnal and is composed by Takami Naramura.
Welcome back. You're listening to the Hell Hemnal from the game La Mulana 2, composed by Takumi Naramura. And the reason why I selected this track in particular from this particular game is because whereas this episode's theme is getting by with a little help, sometimes that help is game FAQ, sometimes that help is just as the song says, from your friends, ooh, or whatever. Um, and in this case, that happened to be my friend Carlos, uh, Kung Fu Carlito, who came through in a clutch to start playing a game that I also was starting to play around the time COVID first kicked off and everybody was sequestered to their rooms and their houses. And what it resulted in was the probably one of, if not the best gameplay experiences I've ever had in my life. In that it took a game that by design is meant to be very difficult, very taxing on the mind and the action and also dexterity. And turn it into something that could be a collaborative experience where two friends are attacking the same problems together before there were FAQs, no less. There weren't even FAQs written about this game at the time. So we were tackling the problems, taking our own versions of notes because this game requires you to take detailed notes and make maps and try to make things that seeming to not connect relate to each other so that you can piece together the puzzle. Something that you see two hours ago let me rephrase that. Something you see six hours ago suddenly matters. That kind of thing. And we would be playing these games on our own right. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, one of us will have an epiphany. And we'll message like, I got it. I found the thing. The way to get into this room. You got to do the thing. Try this out. Or you might say, I figured it out. The secret involves the jade monkey flying across the sky at night with sunglasses. And the person, and like the other person, like, what the hell are you talking about? Because you're not what? trying to, you're not trying to spell it out for them, right? You're trying to give them enough clues, like, like, hey, we figured it out. Don't kill yourself, but also, I'm not giving it away for free, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And this particular level of the game was major for that because they give you clues about it for hours. A good chunk of the game, this level is discussed and talked about across murals and text. And you know you need to find it. You know you need to find your way in. But you have no idea how to go about doing it. And it involves you doing things in different areas of the game, eventually culminating with you unlocking a gate that makes you fall into it. And then you're trapped. You can't get out until you find the way out because you can't go back once you fall in. And it's called the Eternal Prison. And like its name says, you are trapped there once you find your way in. But I remember finally discovering the entrance and losing my ever-loving mind because we were beating our heads against the wall collectively yeah. for like two days trying to find the way into this place. And I messaged him. I was like, I finally did it. I finally did it. I found the way to the eternal prison. Whatever you need, I got you, buddy. But you can do it because I already did it. And I gave him some cryptic clues. And he was on. He was off to the races. It was so, oh man, I, I, look, I look back on this game so much so and acknowledge it for what it is. This game... And it's prequel. They are mad. They are. It is a masterpiece in gaming, and I will say it till I die. It is. It, no game is going to top the La Mulana pair, as far as I'm concerned, and experiences. Yeah, and it, a large part of that not, comes not, from this. Experience. Not for everybody, but definitely, oh, for sure. definitely unique. As I tried it, and I thought this would be something that I would definitely get into. And I played for a good while, and I, I was able to figure out a few things, but. Oh my god! It, it ramps is, up. It ramps up. The, the level of detail you have to keep track of. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> very, very interesting. 
oh so glorious oh, and the combat and the combat and the and the and the physics like this the jumping and everything is so specifically Model after msx games yeah yeah it's definitely hokey in a way that's like oh games don't 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 they don't control like that anymore for a good reason <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but that's part of the gameplay you have to figure that out and get good at it um, you got it it's all a part it's all part of the experience yeah <clears throat> all right so um, my next track is coming from something a little more uh, recent that i got into i guess in the last like 10 15 years um, i've always been <coughs> big into um arcade shoot 'em ups uh you know space shooters from cave and bullet hell type games um, and I got really into um, a few that I needed more information on because, you know, unless you're talking to somebody about these games, you don't know anything about what's going on because they, you know, they came out in Japan, were probably not um, translated, and then you might find them in an arcade or not, and you're probably playing them on an emulator hoping to figure out what the hell you're doing. So you need the mm-hmm. FAQs and you need certain forums as well. So this is Dudonpachi Daiojao black label for the arcade this is a peaceful death it's the ending music by manabu namiki and arranged by sega all-star the great mrs tomoko sasaki
This is the ending theme, A Peaceful Death, from Dudan Pachi Daiojo Black Label for the Arcade, Manabu Namiki, arranged by Tomoko Sasaki. Ooh. That's like... It's, it's, I was going to ask about the game having vocals, but that explains it's the ending theme, it's the so ending that theme, covers yeah. the two. It's it's emotional. There's there's some singing or like some like kind of vocalizing in the background of some of the tracks, and I've played oh, a couple of them on the show before. Um, I, I love the music to these games. The Manabu Namiki is one of my all time favorites. If we ever do, Wait. we ever do the um, the Mount Rushmore of game composers again, <laughs> I'm gonna do. He's definitely up there. But uh, well, you did make a comment on the break that this person was responsible for. A nice call back in the form of friggin' Rice Star. Yeah, yeah, Tomoko Sasaki was on my uh, pantheon of, of favorites. Um, the, what were they called? Masters of Masters of EGM. Um, yes. Yeah, that we that we did. And Tomoko Sasaki was up there because I love Sega music, Sega arcade music too. Uh, and she's fantastic. So, um, yeah, two of my favorites: Manabu Namiki and Tomoko Sasaki. I played this one um, because I really wanted to learn more about these bullet hell games. Like I, I really enjoyed playing them, but I didn't have like any context because there was no community I was that I was aware of near me on of, of other enthusiasts who played these games. So I was like, just like, oh, just how far can I get on one quarter? Can I get through a game on one credit? Um, like I kind of figure out how the scoring works, but like unless like you really know what's going on or or talk to somebody, or, or collaborate with somebody. Like it's really hard to know like how to optimize um, scoring and gameplay in these bullet hell games. And so, I found a, a site called. Um, it's a really. It's still out there and very active, but it is old looking. It looks like it was made in like 1995. Um, it's called the Schmups Forum. Um, it's just the Schmups Forum. Oh no, that's on the nose. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's called like Schmups like. Shmups something 144, I forget. But if you look up Shmups form, you'll find it. Um, and yeah, and then there's like guides and people's high scores from like, just not just like the newer or um, most popular uh, shoot-em-ups and bullet hell games, but it's all over, all over the board. So if you're looking up information on something that you just discovered or something that's very rare, like there's information out there. And like, you know, why, what does this item do? Like, what's the best way to, to get through the game? And, you know, like, what what makes it harder? What makes it easier? It's, it's really fascinating. And it was cool discovering a community that was really into it and was really helpful in helping people understand how to play the games. Um, I, I really appreciated that. <coughs> I mean, you took and ran with it because then you became your own beast. I am not good at these games i just like playing them <laughs> oh no i mean i remember playing freaking uh freaking spark bomber whatever the, what the heck is that game oh giggling giggling Giga Giga yeah. specifically and i remember you being pretty good at that all things considered yeah that was probably one of the first ones that i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna get good at this game and i wish i knew more about how it was played but like i yeah i i put a lot of hours into that game that that's that's young that's a young run Rob Nichols playing that game. Um, young run Rob Nichols. Young Rob Nichols, yeah. Can't do can't play like that anymore, but I definitely enjoy them. And um, the newer the newer bullet hell style games, especially the indie ones, are beautiful. But there's no way I can keep up with that level of fine control and uh, hand eye coordination. Not like that. Not like that at all. But fully so relate to that. Yeah. But they're fun. I was looking they're fun up to try. <laughs> Like I was looking up um, info on 
What's that game called? Oh, oh I was playing Robbie Reby the other day. That game Ooh. I keep coming back to That's off and on for yeah. years now. Well, you put on hard uh, so. Absolutely, I did. And when I did that, I looked. I was like playing it with Yosuke here, and I was like, you know, I mean, I mean, let me show you how the hard this game can get. After he got tired of watching me die to the same boss over, I was like, okay, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. This is my last time. But let me show you. Or I didn't say, let me show you. He's like, let's see how an actual good player beats this boss. So I booted it up, and of course, the video I found was the person doing it on Bunny Extinction mode, which is the hardest difficulty to my knowledge. Extinction. And like outright, just put my skills to shame. Like yeah. these guys are monsters at the game. And then after that. I looked up what I thought was probably the hardest boss in the entire in the entire game. Whether it's true or not is up for debate. But it was a 16-minute boss battle, and the person never got hit the entire freaking time. Wow. And the bullet patterns were just just stupid, yeah. freaking stupid. Yeah, the, the the adding bullet hell elements to a side-scrolling platformer to me is just insane. It, it's like it's taking um, something where like you can normally. You have eight directions you can move away from to get away from these these uh, these, these things that will just kill you in one shot. And then you translate that to something where it's like, oh, no, you can only move left and right. And if you jump, there's gravity pulling you down. You know, like... Mm-hmm. It's always up happening at a lot of times. Like, you end up having to make it so that you force yourself in the air early just so you can dodge down or up. Wow. So you have to you do a double jump or a dash down. To anticipate the, the attacks? Yep. Oh, jeez. Like I'm telling you, man, there are some, there are some videos out there where you're like, "What? How? How much effort did you have to put into learning these patterns and becoming this yeah. good? Whatever it is, I don't have it in me. Well, old, uh, and I don't have talent. You know what I believe is in you is another track. Got some more music for us. Um, I already ran that joke. I can't do it twice. <laughs> um, yeah, I do have another track. Um, it is from a game that I I have played on the show before, but I'm actually surprised when I went to check. I never picked this track before. Maybe it's lost in the ether, ether. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But I'm picking it now because I couldn't find it before. Um, this comes from the game Blue Dragon, hmm. and the track title is called An Ancient Fortress, and it is composed by Nobuo Uematsu.
Welcome back. You're listening to An Ancient Fortress from the game Blue Dragon, originally released on the Xbox 360 and composed by Nobuo Uematsu. So, Blue Dragon and my choice of this track is an example of getting by with a little help from FAQs for a specific purpose, being to revisit something that you've left on the table for so long that you couldn't possibly recall where the heck you left off. But the alternative to starting starting over is just nonsense. You're not going to do it. Um, in the case of this game, uh, a video game group that I'm in chose this to be their game of the quarter, hmm. being an RPG that people should play through over the course of three months or so. And uh, I've already beaten Blue Dragon. I beat it many, many years ago. How long ago? I think I still was living in my house at the time. That's how long ago I've played Blue Dragon. Love the game, though. Hate it, Maru Maru. Love the game. And uh, I was like, well, wow, I wonder. I, at first, I was like, is it, does it count for credit if I've beaten the game before? It's like, no, it's got to be beaten during that time. I was like, well, I'm not doing that. But I wonder if there's any post-game content I left on the table that I could go back to and try hmm. to revisit. Maybe take it down. Yeah. And the answer is, yeah, there are a number of bonus bosses I just didn't bother with. Hmm. So the problem with that, however, is now... I'm coming back to a game I haven't played in over a decade, trying to tackle bosses that require you to have full knowledge of what you've experienced throughout the game, and I need to refresh myself on what those things are. So the beauty of using game FAQs or various forms to, one, find all the bosses in the towns that they exist in, I don't know where those places are anymore, and two, getting reacquainted with my save file and then taking what I don't understand and referencing it on there to go, okay, the what I was doing here was I was using this to level up to get that, which then allows me to do that, and this skill is good because it does this, which will be good against that boss. That's why I was doing that. It makes sense now. You know, building those, putting those pieces back together to build the old 2008 Purnell again from the ground up without having to play 90 hours of RPG to do that. Um, it is a good thing to have access to, and I am very grateful for the people who oh, put yeah. together these extensive guides for people like myself who are like, <laughs> I want to do it, but I don't have time to redo it. So. Yeah, yeah. Like, I wanted to um, I wanted to get the Dark Aeons in Final Fantasy X. I was like, oh, there's, a, there's, there's something I never thought about trying to do because it seemed so out there. How are people achieving this? And these FAQs were really handy and being like, oh, this is how you power level up a character, or this is how you find them in the first place. Um, we would have used your friend's fears on since you have so few of them. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So those, those those difficult choices that you may have ruined early on in the game, if I want to go back to an old save file um, and, and then try to tackle some bonus content, yeah, that's a really good idea. Um, or I mean, a really good uh, uh, thought that you had, you know, good um, track yeah. on this topic. It comes, I mean, it's funny, like this topic... It's, it's a, it was already a good one from the start, but the more thought I put in, I was like, this yeah. is even better than I originally gave it credit for. There's, <laughs> yeah, there's really, layers here. There are layers. There's just layers to to these games, too, which is which is really exciting. Because, like, oftentimes, if I, especially these RPGs, if I finish them, I'll, I'll try to do as much as I can, but if there's stuff that I missed, I'm not going to go back. I, I consider it completed, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Like Tunic. Tunic, I did. I think I did almost everything you could do in that game. That's at least known. Um, if there's something new that comes up, I'll watch a YouTube video. It's fine. I'm okay with that. I'm not gonna. Yeah, go back. if you walked away satisfied, why go back? I mean, that game. I was. Uh, that was a Snickers. I was extra satisfied. 
<laughs> really satisfied. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna, all those nifty puzzles. All right, I'm going to turn this track down all the way down. And we're going to get into the part of the show, Purnell, that we call, you know what I'm going to say? The bonus round. Right, ah. What? You beat me to it. <laughs> you, didn't put, you didn't put any emphasis on it. You got to put emphasis on it. The bone. The bone. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I, I, I can't get rid of this cough. So it's going to be the bonus round. <laughs> well, there's your emphasis. <laughs> Now, I'm sure people don't want to hear me <laughs> cough on the show. True, true. But the humor, the humor. But give me a little beat. Give me a little beat, Pernell. Give me a beat. Uh, 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 uh. Going to get to the beat. Going to talk <laughs> to the thing. Going to get to the street. Want to hear new music by composers that did things that they like. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm not even rhyming correctly. So I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I'll get that. <laughs> the I'm bo- so tired. The bonus round is the part of the show where we play covers and arrangements and remixes on our theme. And we are going back, back to the Dreamcast specifically, and back to Marvel vs. Capcom. This is Marvel vs. Capcom 2, the factory stage jazz cover by the J Music Ensemble, originally composed by Tetsuya Shibata. This is a nine-minute long jazz epic. Just giving you a little warning right now. It goes in some amazing places, but it is a long boy. So this is the Factory Stage it's factory stage Jazz cover for Marvel vs. Capcom 2. I have a fun story about this one. When we come back, let's get into it.
back. That was the Factory Stage music jazz cover for Marvel vs. Capcom 2, composed by Tetsuya Shibata, arranged by the J Music Ensemble. I really love those those folks at J Music. They they do some amazing stuff to video games, to to anime soundtracks. They're just they're really really good musicians, really good arrangers. Babe, babe, babe. So it was funny. Is like. I was like on the Wikipedia page and, I, and, and they talked about, uh, for Marvel versus Capcom too. And they talked about the reception of this game when it came out and people really enjoyed it, but it, the music got panned so yeah, cause hard. It didn't, it didn't fit. I was one of the people that panned it, but yeah, I, as time progresses yep. and the music starts to stand on its own and you also get used to it being in the game. Right. It's, it's, it works. It works. I I really love the soundtrack to Marvel Capcom too. Now I, I think about it at the end when it came out, I wasn't into it, but I'm I'm well into it now. So for me, this is this is really specific, right? So, um, I got Marvel Capcom two first as an import, you know, pirated copy of it. But when you do that, <laughs> I know um, there's you only get so many characters, and then you have to play the game to unlock the characters, right? Um, mm-hmm. but there was something with the Japanese version where it wasn't unlocking or you had to do something specific. I can't remember what it was, but you couldn't actually unlock all the characters or it would take a long, long, long time. So hey, didn't you just need to spend currency in game to unlock people? Or did you have to do something to make them available to purchase? Yeah. They had to do something to make them available to purchase. Maybe it was even online too, um, to do it, but it was, it was something that I couldn't do with the Japanese version that I had. So game FAQs, you couldn't just, what you, there weren't just FAQs you could download. There were save files you could download. And Pernell, mm-hmm. did you know the Dreamcast had a web browser built into it? Yes, I did, and, and did, I loved it for that. Did you know that in 1999, in the year 2000, I didn't have a computer. I had a Dreamcast. <laughs> I also did know that, but it's freaking awesome because it did the job. Yeah, I had a keyboard. And you played a lot of I had, fancy a, store. I had a controller, and I was able to use the internet for whatever I needed it for and email and all that and go to game FAQs and through the web browser on the Dreamcast you could download the save file, save it to your to your uh, to your VMU, the, the 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 memory card for the Dreamcast and use that save file. So I would download save files for, for other games too, but mainly for Marvel Capcom too, so I could unlock all the characters immediately. I stand by the belief yeah. that that system was way ahead of his time when oh. it came out and people just shunned it. It was, I mean, they released updates to the web browser all the time. Like, they were always, like, they were just always releasing new discs, and, and, and it was just, they were they were doing a lot with that little system, and I really like it. Um, I agree. I'm so, I mean, happy. Yeah. I, I'm so happy I kept mine. Just for nostalgic purposes, I'm so happy I still have mine. I will say this, though, whether it's, maybe, whether it's because of a Sega's final system or not, that I don't know, though it probably is. I love the fact that for all the grief it got back, then where I was like, I can't wait, I'm just going to wait for the PS2, blah, blah, blah. There's only one game console whose birthday we celebrate every year. And it ain't the PlayStation 2. That's right. I'll tell you that much. I'd say the PlayStation so. 2 was a big deal because it did include a DVD player that a lot of people... I mean, the DVD players at the time were still expensive. So yep. buying a game console that was also a DVD player was was a really, really good value for money uh, prospect for, for, for people. If I remember correctly, my first DVD player was $300. Yeah, mine was expensive too, and it it was huge and slow. <laughs> yeah, I definitely remember that. Yeah. All right. What's uh, what's what's your track for us? 
So my track, it's funny enough, I mean, it might be because I need to find some different places to search for, but I wanted to find a cover track for a very specific level in a very specific game, and I only found one. I only found one cover that wasn't an official arrangement on an album or something. Uh-oh. So, but thankfully, it was by a fantastic cover artist. So I'll, t- I'll take okay. what I can get. It's not like some dude um, with a kazoo and like. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! This is an actual good artist here that put some pride and effort into their work, and you're going to hear it now. This is the cover of the Solomon Shrine area from the game Ease Two. And the cover artist is God Metal himself. All right. So look forward to that heaviness. Welcome back. You're listening to a cover for the theme to the Solomon Shrine area of Ease Book 2, um, covered by God Metal. And heavier, fair bit heavier than the track is in the official game, but I do love the fact that he got the wows in there because the game definitely gets those high pitch bins, um, both in the version that apparently this was a cover of being the Ease Book 2, Chron- Ease 1 and 2 Chronicles version, but also in the PC Engine version of the game as well. Uh, so 
The reason why I decided to pick E's book two is because this is the version of getting by with a little help that we haven't addressed on the show yet. Back before the internet came about, when you had to get your parents' permission to dial a overpriced phone number to sometimes get a human being on the line. But depending on the game, you could also get automated advice as well. Sometimes they'd have pre-recorded tips on games depending on the game you were searching for. Hmm. But if you had to get something a little extra obscure, they'd have live people, people who were actually paid to sit there and mine booklets of information for games oh just to tell you how to solve problems in games. And you'd call, pay like four ninety nine a minute, and you just listen to a bunch of ringtones and like video, like video game music playing over the over the hold music until eventually you got a person like, "Hey, how can I help you?" I'm like, "I am." I am playing through Solomon Shrine on E's book two, and I have no idea how to trigger the interest of the tower to open up because these two guards won't get the heck out of the way because this game is ridiculously convoluted in regards to how many triggers you have to, event triggers you have to summon, you know, pull off in order to get things to happen throughout the game. And of course they talk you through it and they'd waste some of your time because they got to get that bling bling baby. And, uh, we went through it, and then at the end of the month, your parents come in the room like, who the heck made this call for $20 to this stupid number? <laughs> oh, no. But I beat these two last week, and it was worth it. Do your worst. You know, it was it was, it was that sort of thing. And um, it's funny, too, because I look back on that game. Mm-hmm. I think I had to get help two times playing through Ease Book 2 as a kid. Because, again, because the way they designed it, where sometimes it was event triggers that I didn't understand. How did I not make this happen? Oh, because I was to talk to one specific guy in this one specific place after I went way up here to make this thing happen. And um, Solomon Shrine was especially convoluted because it was about the length of half of the entire game by itself. Solomon Shrine was a huge dungeon. Mm. Probably one of the bigger dungeons I'd ask you who am I kidding? It was at the time the largest dungeon I've ever I'd ever done in a video game. Oh wow. And it was very awesome in how they designed it. It had an east and a west. <laughs> like it was the dungeon was broken into sections. Oh. And then it had a sewer. <laughs> so it was even the sewer but which went beneath both the east and the west sections. So you so were, you were meant wild. to spend a lot of time here. Yes, you yeah. were. Wow. They designed it that way and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like before it, it called, a, it called into reason everything you'd learned throughout the game thus far using the monster disguise to sneak into monster bases, mm-hmm. how to like, you know, transform into, or light candles, all kinds of cool stuff. <laughs> I loved it. I love it. And there's a reason why E's book one and two are in my very short one handed list of top games ever made. It's really fantastic. Well, then, yeah. And then, like, hearing all this Falcom sound team music at an early age probably formed your taste in music. Oh, it absolutely did. It's yeah. how I learned to like metal. Because I remember being in college and, like, Mike being, like, um, a friend Mike going, hey, um, well, I listen to, like, you, he listened to some of the game music I listen to, including mostly Ease Book 1 and 2. And he goes, huh, do you have a thing for metal music? It sounds like you like metal music based on what I'm hearing. I was like, oh, no, that's the devil's music. I can't <laughs> And uh, he right, goes, right. what are you talking about? That's not the devil's music here. I mean, just give you some albums or some uh, give you some songs you can listen to. So he passed me a few tracks. And at first I was like, oh, there's growling. Turn it off. And yeah. I just went and listened to it. But then I slowly built up an interest in it because, like, you know, if I ignore the growling, it sounds <laughs> Really good. I think I, it, I, like this I think you vibe. like you like the growling, but I think you appreciate female vocalists more. Am I right in saying? I that? do. Yeah, I would say that's the case. But even still, like, it takes a very specific female vocalist growling for me to go. Oh yeah, this is awesome. But most of the time, 
I could do without growling. I want, even if it's aggressive vocals, I'd mm. prefer them to be vocals that I'm like, okay, yeah. this makes sense. I'm hearing it, not <laughs> like you're not adding anything for me. I just want, the, I want the words, not the snarl. Well, so it's nice to have a new episode where Falcom Sound Team still makes an appearance. <laughs> oh, they, 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 they somehow, have. even if it's an arrangement. But for more information on the bonus round part of our show, please go to rhythmandpixels.com or we'll have links to the artists' SoundClouds, Bandcamps, everywhere you can go uh, download and buy the music and support these artists. All right, thanks for uh, joining us on 37-2, our episode on getting help. However, Get my, takes, a little help for my games. We're, we're, en- we're ending the show on, uh, on a little callback on what we talked about earlier, which is uh, Sonic 3 Carnival Night, um, the Carnival Night Zone. Um, hopefully, this kind of um, crazy carnival music won't drive you crazy by the end of the show. <laughs> Or maybe it will. I'll turn it. I'll turn it down. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'll make sure the mix no, is no, turned no. down. <laughs> well, we'll turn it back up. Ins- I was looking for some insanity. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope uh, this show inspired you to um, get help. No, I hope the show inspired you to uh, you know to think back on the fond memories you have of looking up game FAQs, maybe discovering something about a game that you love that you wouldn't have known otherwise. Just give it some time. Dig deep. <laughs> Accept the fact that sometimes you. Well, I'm. Just, spoiling the beans early here but i guess sometimes you just gotta accept the fact that you can't quite pull it off yourself and that it's okay to seek out help yeah. to pull off uh either be it's a video game achievement or a life achievement really mm-hmm. but um no like no man is an island and that goes for entertainment too yeah and, uh, no re- and if you would like some help from us you can send us an email and we'll we'll try to help actually it's funny you say that now then we can do the actual official thing yeah. um so I, I, I'm trying to remember if it was for this show or it was somewhere else, but I remember, no, it was this show, it was years ago, where somebody was playing Ease Chronicles, and they got stuck on a bus, and they didn't know how to beat them, and they were looking for help, and I recorded a video of myself fighting the boss while talking over it to give them advice on how to win, like... <laughs> Because I was like, I don't want you to stop here because this is the boss that gave me the most grief mm. back of the day, too. You can beat him. Here's how to do it. Yeah. And I always look fondly on that, and it matches this message to the letter when you say, if you need help, you're looking for some help from us. Like, well, he's not BSing you. <laughs> if I can help, I'll do the help. So, at rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. <laughs> um, yeah, and um, if you uh, want to find out more, learn more about our show or find uh, all of our episodes, access to all of our episodes and do, and links to all the stuff that we have, like uh, Discord and uh, merchandise, cool t-shirts, things like that, all of that you can find at our website. www.rhythmandpixels.com And of course, um, you can't just talk about getting help without talking about our Patreon. Everyone who's a member of our Patreon certainly helps us. And as a member of our Patreon, you get all of our episodes ad-free. You can also get them ad-free at YouTube. But hey, you get ad-free <laughs> at Patreon. You get, um, access to live stream episodes that we do. You can uh, join us during the live stream. And there's lots of usual, usually lots of uh, visual jokes and things that we do on the show um, that are just for the Patreon members. That's always a lot of fun. There's also cool things like stickers and mugs and T-shirts that you can get by being a member on our on our Patreon. 
And we'd like to thank all of our members who are at the highest tiers at the end of every episode. I want to thank Brooke, Corey, and Khalid. The three of you, thank you very, very much for your continued support of our show. Huge, huge thank you. We also want and to thank, also Khalid for writing in. Oh, yeah. I think I mentioned that last time. But yeah, the, 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 the email you sent us and the emails that you have sent us are really appreciated and, and they're very um, heartfelt. And they make us feel really good about ourselves. <laughs> so thank you very much. Um, so thank you also to Kristen, GameFan44. Thank you to Martyrus, host of the ReVGM podcast. Thank you to Mike Myers, Fashion8060, Antmaster, Brian Pitt, Cameron Worma, Carlos, Kung Fu Carlito, uh, who we mentioned on the show uh, with La Mulana. <laughs> thank you to Chris Weisner, a.k.a. Musashi219. The wise guy. Thank you to Christopher Senstrom, home, uh, host of the Gameable Audio Podcast. Thank you to Davy Cakes, David Good, David Taylor, and Chaletta Rigol, Harold Howard, Triple Jeff, Justin Schneider, host of the XVGM Radio Podcast, Keith Shusterman, Rage Cage, host of the VGM Porium Podcast, Reinhard Silkova, Sleepy S'more, Steve Miller, Taco, and Zach Thornbach. Thank all of you and many, many more for continuing to support our show. We really appreciate it. So thank you so much. All the money definitely goes towards keeping the everything hosted, the live streams going. Um, the live streams you can check out on uh, YouTube. YouTube.com slash Rhythm and Pixels. We have a live radio station um, of 8-bit and 16-bit classics. Um, I'm always updating it and trying to keep it uh, alive. Uh, I'm Here's also Bob for the office. Also hosting the KVGM, the Last Wave radio station. Um, so look them up on YouTube. Also a fantastic podcast hosted by Hammock. All video game music, all extremely, extremely chill and laid back jams. Amazing. And so if you go to the uh, the, the, the live stream, it is every song he has ever played. Um, it is over. It's it's probably close to two thousand tracks of music. It's incredible. Damn. Yeah, it's it's massive. So um, it's really nice to have on in the background. <laughs> it's really, really Hammock pleasant. wants you to stay in that hammock. Yeah, he wants you to stay in that hammock. Yeah, get a, get a nice cool drink on a hot day and just chill. 2,000 tracks. It's not just the day. You'll be out there all <laughs> night, Friday yeah, the next morning, too. Yeah, you, you can tune in at any time during the week, and you'll probably hear something different. I, mean, that, I think that's really great. So, yeah, I'm really yes. proud of that, and um, Hammock's really proud of that, too. So I want to give that a huge shout-out. Um I am. I don't think I can talk much more, so I gotta sign off. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. Pernell, uh, thanks for uh, recording remotely tonight. I appreciate that. Hey, uh, no problem. The name of our show, Pernell, is Rhythm and Pixels. They say, in the name of our show, <laughs> I have the power. <laughs> thanks, everyone, for listening. My name is my name is Rob Nichols, and I'm Pernell. Have a have a <laughs> have a great week. We'll see you next time. And remember, yes, I already spilled the beans on this one, so it's no surprise. But yes, um, there's no shame in getting help for a game or for life matters or for emotions or for really anything. Help is there. Help is about getting support from those who care about us or from people who maybe will turn a quick buck from it. But their job in doing so is to assist you with something that you can't do yourself. Um, That could be emotional career mental games games because that's the whole episode theme here um there's no shame or harm in it and it can come from your friends too uh i know people who have a bad penchant myself included feeling like sometimes 
you know, reaching out to people for help is a recipe for being dropped like a bad habit. But the truth of the matter is, at least when it comes to your friends, um, a friend who can't support a friend in need is not a friend indeed. And that should not be a deterrent from you seeking help from a friend when you need it. It's just not worth it. Like, give them the opportunity to tell you no dice. So that's the lesson of the day. Now go get some marmalade and make yourself a sandwich. <laughs> I love marmalade. For good reason. It's not, delicious. Paddington Bear likes marmalade, too. Not, not everyone likes it, though. They can be crazy. They, they do be crazy. 